Hello dreamers, thinkers and doers, welcome to Ideate with Florian. This is the podcast that dives into the minds of innovators and risk takers who've dared to make their dreams a reality. I'm your host, Florian Hornaar, and through my 25-year journey in the software industry, I've had the privilege of contributing to small and medium-sized companies in various roles, including software engineering, sales and management. As a lifelong learner, I cherish the opportunities to connect with professionals from diverse fields and grow together. I'm excited to explore the journeys of our guests with you, so let's dive in. If you're intrigued by the world of startups, then you don't want to miss my conversation with Lucien Burm. In this episode, we delve into the essential traits for success in the startup scene, such as energy and ambition. We also explore the concept of being founder-friendly and discuss the importance of investors not meddling with business decisions. As a venture developer, Lucien aims to help hundreds of autonomous startups flourish through their program, all while minimizing the shares taken from these startups. The ultimate goal is to foster a close-knit community of thriving startups. The program already offers tools to unite people under pressure, build effective teams, and make informed decisions. So let's dive right into an engaging discussion with Lucien Berm and learn more about the exciting world of startups. Lucien, welcome to the show. Hi, Florian. Thanks. And uh, we meet each other uh, like once a week for the past weeks in a program called Spirit of Enterprise. Yes, we do. We know each other quite a bit now. <laughs> no, normally, I'm your guest at that, at that show. And this time, you're a guest on my show. So the, the roles are a little bit uh, reversed. Yeah, yeah. I like it a lot. So I'm, I'm quite curious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when we talk about Spirit of Enterprise, it sounds a bit like a slogan. Uh, it's a good slogan. Uh, what, what's behind it? First question for me is, uh, what do you like about that phrase? Well, it, it drives energy, I feel. Yeah. You know, it's enterprising. And then there's, uh, there's also like spirit. You need to have the spirit to actually do this. And, and that requires enthusiasm and, uh, yeah, like I said, energy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it, there, there are a few things to, that sort of fall in together uh, in, in this name. And, and, you know, usually when you pop up a name, nobody really thinks about why you, why you did it, right? So for the people who actually made up the name, they always uh, think a lot of it. <laughs> and it might not necessarily be, be uh, that much contributing to the success or something. But the people working for it, it can can feel really comfortable, like sort of I'm, I'm subscribing to what it means. And in this case, it is indeed, as you know, this is a startup program, or at least it's a program to form teams that become startups so it's all in the team phase and and that's also quite personal so you know you have skills and in the world of startups it's often well i wouldn't say required but requested by investors like do you have a technical developer or a cto or things like that so they always look for hard skills things like that so is the team complete like that we're looking for do you sort of combine as a team really well in terms of traits and in your energy and your ambition and things like that. And and words like ambition and energy and these kind of traits, they, they translate easily to spirit, spirit of enterprise in this case was sort of extra special because it came out of the University of Nairobi and they have something called like a Lifetime Achievement Award, something like that, which is also called Spirit of Enterprise. So the ones that that made like a true effort in the Netherlands or worldwide even and comes from Nairobi University can get that reward uh, award. And I think actually there's also, they actually also wrote a book about it. So and that book is sort of full, full of lessons of entrepreneurship. So it's truly a program in the spirit of enterprising but we also take the, the word spirit very seriously, not in a religious kind of way, but uh, uh, basically in, in terms of drive, energy, ambition, sort of the, the spirit should be into something or else you just shouldn't do it at all. Right. And the whole goal is to create teams 
of well-spirited people yes uh, that can together uh, create great enterprises right if i use those words and create a summary yeah well translated uh and uh it's not even just teams but the best teams uh we always use words like things like <laughs> elite teams or things like that and there's, there's really no not a really good word for it or, or we haven't found it yet but of course the the things that we we are tackling there's always a problem you're tackling and the problem that we tackle is that there, there are too many startup teams just starting up and failing not because they they are not attacking a good problem or have a great idea they fail because they don't work well together and that's just a shame so the the failure rate is going down which is true over the years but not not fast enough. There's so much methodology already, for example, to get from A to B in startup life, right? In terms of product and market and things like that. But there's not that much in terms of forming your your team and the right team and, and get off to a good start, making sure that you don't make, for example, too many wrong decisions or the right decisions too late or no decision at all, things like that. So it's mostly combined, like having the same goals and ambitions and energy and drive, but also being able to work together really well so you make less mistakes because you will make mistakes, which is fine. But the less you make, the more successful you probably will be. Right. And so far, you've talked about uh, sort of basically that you're doing a service to the teams. Like you, you're working, you've got this program set up for the teams and for the founders, uh, the, the startup founders. Yeah. I know that similar programs, they always come from the venture support of the venture capitalists. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to name names here, uh, but we all know uh, startup programs or venture studios. Uh, in the end of the day, what the, the person that they work for is the venture capitalist, uh, yeah. the, the people who make money off the startup investments. True. How do you see that? Yeah, that's, that is quite different. We, we, of course, know those programs. We don't consider ourselves a venture studio, but we do consider ourselves venture developers and preferably creating the environment where they emerge from basically organically so there's a lot of stuff in our program that we try not to decide for you but people just decide themselves so usually you know in any venture studio you might just be uh, encouraged uh, to <laughs> let me put it that way to form a team with uh, this or that person or you bring in an idea and and they help you find more co-founders and then uh, provide the finance to continue but usually venture studios they from a venture capital perspective it's great stuff because they succeed more often and it's a higher return for the uh, for the investors but that's not so true for the founders because they usually um, uh, have not much left in terms of shares in the company as they would have if they would have started on their own so we try to minimize that as much as possible our tactic, and I'm, I'm sort of turning into the, the situation with the fund, right? The investment fund now, uh, Florian. But our intention is, of course, to not just have a few teams popping up from our uh, gardens, to put it that way, but just many, many, many. Like it's a numbers game to us. And uh, it's not a numbers game in terms of being very personal, because uh, as you experienced, everything we do is quite about the personal stuff first. But it's not mutually exclusive to also have like a business model that's based on the numbers game. So we intend to let emerge hundreds of startups from our programs and take as as little share as we can from it to make sure that there's many things going on there. It's not philanthropical or something. It just means making sure that the entrepreneur stays in charge of everything they do. We want to create autonomous teams. And we don't believe that most venture studios or these kind of programs, also the bigger names that you you probably have in your mind, they do not let teams emerge that are quite autonomous on their own. So we just want to mimic everything that would normally happen in a very good way, how people meet and they may, may become acquainted and they might get interested to work together and they 
come up with things they, they like and they, they start working on something and it's all tested uh, and they failed a few times and they get to some rough times and they emerge as a startup. That's stuff that might sometimes take years uh, from people, but we want to have that situation. So we are just sort of a bystander, something that flows through us, right, through our program, but then emerges as a team. So we just try to, it is an accelerator in the end, you know, we just try to accelerate that process that would normally take place in the in the normal world. But now it's a bit uh, more structured and uh, a lot faster. And it's also a big experiment. We just don't know yet how, how well that will perform. But that's our angle. Right. I've also heard you use the word founder friendly. Yeah. Can you explain what you mean with that? <laughs> because because a lot of investors use the word founder friendly. No, we are very founder friendly. Yeah. But what we mean by what we mean by that is that we truly do not mingle in your affairs. Whatever you would like to do in the end, we can advise you and, and we advise many, many, many startups. But in the end, you're the entrepreneur. And it would be really stupid if we expect you to always follow our advice or, or any advice for that matter, because you wouldn't be a great entrepreneur, right? So that would be rare <laughs> if that would happen. Right. And weird, maybe. So founder-friendly means that in all things that are sort of applied, because you have to work together. You're a founder. You might become a team. You're part of a program. For a short while, you serve more than just your own plan right you serve two plans or two business models or whatever so we just want to make that impact as low as possible when i was the uh, let's say the, the the person that that set up the first programs in the netherlands for accelerators like rockstart right i did the first two years there and before that we did found the institute which was a very school like program rockstart was more like what we're sort of doing that right now but then the teams were already there and what we noticed is the more autonomous and founder-friendly, you let people move around and move forward. It might take a few detours, but there's more result coming from it, more true sort of deep growth that they try to accomplish or else they just fail. So we just want to mingle uh, as, as little as we can. And just, you know, if you have a question for us or things that we, we always try to help. So that's just the soft side to it. The hard side to it is that we also think that in terms of uh, equity, so shares, uh, investment, that kind of stuff, we feel in the Netherlands, for example, even in the world, the valuations are not just that right for real international growth, right? You always, you're always uh, sort of uh, one step behind if you come from the, from the Netherlands, if you try to get an inter uh, international round. So, of course, the international big VCs, they know how to cope with that. But we just want to make a, yeah, make a stance and show how it can be done. So that that's why founder-friendly also means the lowest equity for the and the highest valuation for the first round that we like to offer. When you talk about founder-friendly, you always think about, okay, if there's a founder-friendly on one hand, then there must be like VC or investor-friendly <laughs> on the other hand. Are they opposites? I mean, I can imagine that being founder-friendly must eventually be also be beneficial to investors. How, how do you see that? Well, I think exactly that. So uh, the more founder-friendly, I think you're in the wrong business if you don't do that, right? Because if you're, if you're not founder-friendly, especially in the very early stage, you're steering too much and you're taking out the sort of the autonomy and the capacity of, uh, of that founding team, they're going to lean way more on the investor than on you. And you, you sometimes see this, this usually with, uh, with angel investments uh, happening and, and some early stage VCs. You know, it's, it's, of course, very hard for an investor to see people make mistakes that they shouldn't make. <laughs> but, you know, you can advise and, and once they make it, they make it, right? You just want to see if they recuperate, if they change course, they learn from stuff. That's all, all important. And uh, usually it's it's fine, right? We just see some really weird, unfriendly 
investments uh, like uh, well, not notoriously funds from universities in the Netherlands or in Europe for that matter, they can be very unfriendly in terms of equity. You already lose like a big, big part of the company just getting started. Right? So it's almost impossible to uh, to get more investment on board later on. So you're basically killing the company at the start. That's not very founder friendly. We've seen a lot of uh, weird things or, or there's a lot of milestone investment saying like, listen, yes, we're going to give you a million. Well, that's quite high for the Netherlands, but we'll give you 300,000 euros. But, you know, the, in, we do it in three tranches. So the first one is uh, 100K. And then uh, once you get to this milestone, you get the second one. And, you know, in other other countries, and I'm particularly referencing to the US, of course, that will be killing for an F4 FEC but because no one else will do that. But here in the Netherlands, it's still it's still there. I think this was researched a year or two years ago. There was still a large part doing this to founders, really, which is weird because, you know, it's difficult to pivot, for example. You're still on a course. You, know, you need to make those milestones to get to get more funding. So you stick to something that you might not need to stick to. Uh, secondly, you can be very successful and your valuation will completely differ from that milestone valuation. So I would say just take the 100 that's my advice usually to uh, founders. Just take the hundred if they want to, and say, "Well, I just, uh, just I don't take the rest." And uh, and uh, we take the valuation now, and we just see how well we done. And that this is where you also get sort of the feeling of a true entrepreneur who goes like, "Well, I'll take, I'll take, uh, I'll take my chances. Uh, I'll show you." Right? <laughs> yeah. It's that kind of energy what you look for. But it's kind of weird. So th- these kind of things happen, or particularly in venture studios, it, it it to me it feels like you're almost on the payroll there. Because they, they they take so much so much equity and you also get a bit paid for that equity. So yeah, that that's not the role psychologically that you want to be into if you're an entrepreneur. It maybe maybe it's a, a romantic uh, background or just a sort of a nostalgia that says like you know you want to have it rough and 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 just the two of you in a very or three of you in a very uh, bad neighborhood <laughs> with a very bad place, but working on tremendously great stuff, getting helped by by some people who just pass by and they believe in you and they go like, well, this is something really cool. And this is where you get lift off. This happened to me. This happened to others. It, it always happens if you have something great and you start talking about it and you have a great team. People just feel the uh, feel the combination. But nowadays, it's also, uh, it has more become a methodology. There's a lot of data involved nowadays. So I think uh, a lot of VCs look at it a bit differently now. But still, I think in a program, you will you will still meet some uh, investors that are more late stage and you would you would expect a different attitude from them, but it's not right. They they still have that same startup attitude. They, if you come across with this high drive, high energy, attacking something very interesting in a very good way, you always have the attention. I mean, I know in the program we, we sort of keep hammering on pitch decks and stuff like that, and yes, they are important, but that stuff is fa- is way more important than uh, than what's in the deck. Uh, because if if that's if that's already there and the deck is not really good or something, they will start asking questions. They will dive deeper to figure out what what needs to be done to get you on the on the right track. So um, I think that's that's still there. So let's founders be founders. That's what you're. Yeah. That, that's what that's the sense I get out of you. So yeah, let people uh, de- deploy. You know themselves that, that sort of the yeah exactly exactly because if you if you start uh, guiding or smothering them that too much you don't reach the full potential that's in it and that's what the program is designed to do i guess okay can you talk a little bit like in practical concrete terms like what is the program because you you do have a startup program so what what is it the program has, has uh, essentially two parts so the first six weeks is about learning about yourself and potential team members 
So, uh, well, because you're already at the end of the first six weeks, I can, uh, and I think I, I told uh, last Friday already that it's not really about all the startup exercises that are in there. Also, it's a, it's a bit like set up to fail a bit constantly. And it's just to see how people work under under high pressure. And also if things go a bit wrong or, or they're too late or things like that. So what, what happens, right? And it's not for us to learn like what happens, it's for, for all the people to learn about each other what happens uh, so you can make a bit more conscious decisions on who whom to work with next so that's the goal of the first six weeks to be able to choose team members that you might want to take a go with uh, on on uh, on the real startup life which is basically kicking off in the second six weeks so the second six weeks is your good old-fashioned startup building but we're quite experienced with that uh, we don't think that should nowadays it should take uh, it should not take 12 weeks but about six weeks and of course, it doesn't really stop after six weeks. You will still continue. But that's sort of the structured part of our, our working together. This season of the What's the Big Idea podcast is sponsored by Collaboration Superpowers. We help individuals, teams, and leaders work together from anywhere successfully. And just for listeners of this podcast, we have a special remote working success kit ready for you. With everything from personal user manual templates to team agreement guides, virtual meeting planners, and team building tips, you can download your remote working success kit from collaborationsuperpowers.com slash superkit. And now on to some big ideas. During our conversations in the past, uh, I think six weeks, the first first time we met was in October last year. Uh, I've always sensed a sort of, uh, I don't like the word, but I'm going to use it anyway, a sort of sense of frustration with the current startup ecosystem in the Netherlands. Uh, do, do you recognize that or uh, do you have a better word for it? Or? Uh, no, no, it is. It is, it is a frustration. And I think there, there are more of us. I'm not, I'm not the only one. So actually the people in the startup ecosystem, they are, they are frustrated. Where does that frustration come from for you? From you? Well, uh, just because you see it can be done a lot better. And you can see somewhere else why it moves a lot faster. So we don't have to be like Israel or the US or, or things like that. But the speed of execution is uh, is so much higher and so much faster. And the opportunities are always also much greater. So in the Netherlands, you need to work against a bit of uh, the cultural stuff. Like you have to act normal. <laughs> don't, don't sort of uh, stand out too much. Right. That's one thing. Also, the people you need to work with sometimes in, in terms of investors, they are... Well, we have a famous, famous word in the it's in Dutch, but it would translate to uh, the chicken butcher, because people who had like a, a butchering company or something in the past, like suddenly has enough money to invest in startups and then starts to get involved. How that should be done, and that's of course that's a huge exaggeration. But there are many people, even nowadays, you know, if you would ask people who exited a company maybe ten years ago or even five years ago or something, and they would try to help you now. They are already way out of the ways of working, how it's been done now, right? It changed so quickly and it goes so much faster. So the frustration is always that uh, we still have to lean very much on, on all kinds of angel investing. I'm not so professional. There's a whole range. There, there are a few very professional startup angels in the Netherlands who are great to work with. Uh, but they are former founders and they have at international companies. They have been everywhere. So they really know what they're doing. These are goals, right? If you have them on the team. But the rest takes a lot of convincing to sort of get you through the friends, family and fools round, right? That's that's usually the first one. And we don't have that many true 
venture capital firms that can do pre-seed. They're not that much that would say, hmm, interesting concept. Here's the money. Doesn't work like that. And then we have to talk. I think we had a discussion on Friday or the week before, like um, Johan, my, my colleague, who remembers the name, but the, the, the Dutch guy who went to the US had, had been on one founder team of a, of a startup, then then start, wanted to start something next. It was just him and he didn't have an ID yet and he got a million. That kind of stuff. Right. It, it's not that that should happen. And I'm not agreeing with that, but I'm just to stress that this would never happen in the Netherlands. <laughs> that should tell you a lot. But on the other hand, I've seen angels and who would just invest in, in somebody because they believe in, in them. And that, that's sort of the friends and family of fools around. But that's sort of right. frustrating. It's not that professional. It's not the, the same kind of valuations even as you would have internationally. It's not enough people working in this field yet in the Netherlands. It's uh, The community is not very tight. There's all kinds of stuff going on. I, I, I know you have been traveling around right, to, to different uh, startup hubs in the world. I think you went to Boulder or what was it Austin? Correct. Boulder, Seattle. Um, I was in Spain a few months ago. Spain, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I'm traveling around. Not sure what you thought about the energy in Boulder. Was was that different? Yeah, especially the energy in Seattle was Seattle, uh, yeah. was amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's so much different. And I mean, there's a difference between the US and the Netherlands, of course, in yeah. in terms of how people relate to each other. Uh, but I also get the sense, and, and this is something that I want to put out to you, is that the folks there, they're happy to work 100 hours a week. I'm not sure <laughs> if you're going to do that ever in the Netherlands. And how, how does that affect the ecosystem? Because you can talk about external factors um, being close-knit, but if that's not happening, how... I, I agree with you. That, that's right? for founders, that, that that's sort of mandatory if you, you need to be able to do so or else it won't work. You, the first problem you get if you, if you get Dutch people working for you. I'm not saying this is the reason, but if you look in startup teams, like the, the first few team members that are hired these are usually not people from the netherlands i'm not sure i think it's above 50 percent, might be even 60 or 70 percent in a certain stage of uh, people on the payroll of startups are not from the netherlands um and there's a very good reason for that not because they want to work 100 hours a week it's usually because they, they these are people who already took a step right they left everything behind to go somewhere else so that little thing is already quite important that people are willing to do something like that to get what they want right so these people will go a long way they, so in my companies, for example, the people just started to work there. They came from Argentina, Turkey, US, everywhere, Russia even. And they not only worked really hard, they learned a lot of things. They were only doing this, nothing else, right? And their friends were their colleagues. It became so tight. You almost have to be aware that you're not making it too tight. People nowadays, they say, you need to have a life too, right? But yeah, I'm not sure if this is entirely true in a very early stage of a startup. Once you get a lot bigger... It becomes different, and once you and if you're in the Netherlands, you're hiring people here. You get all this attitude of well, work-life balance, and you might agree or disagree with that. But certainly for startups, it, it might prove a problem. So this is why incentives are also very important, and these are not very well arranged in the Netherlands. But now, if you have something to work on and you don't earn that much at a startup, but you do have shares and you can work for it, and you can become something, and you know that if I if I'm succeeding here and I work uh, for a few years really hard. I can have enough money to start my own company after this. This is what you need. This is what we call the flywheel of, a, of an ecosystem. And this is not happening that much in the Netherlands. And that is that is basically also based in, in what, you're, what you're saying uh, or what I think you're saying is that people just not want to work too hard in this uh, on this side of the pond. Yeah, so the conclusion here is you, it's fine to to start a company, a startup in the Netherlands, just don't do it with Dutch people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I would say not all Dutch people are like that. I think you're not like that. I'm not like that. 
so there there's a bunch of us who, who's not like that right um, yeah but definitely work-life balance is, is a thing in the netherlands and also like how your family and friends uh, respond yeah. to to you if you have that kind of behavior where you're so obsessive with your work yeah. uh, that that they don't understand anymore what you're doing yeah, they don't think and it's they, they don't support you in that's that, true so that happens uh, people always think you work too hard I can barely call it work, right? So this is what usually people say who are kind of obsessed with their startup. It's just what they do, right? And that's what they are even. Uh, so it becomes an identity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is true. But there are people in the Netherlands that so you just have to find them. So hence the program, we want to find those people. And it's quite hard, you know? Um, this is not a question, but I'm just going to answer it anyway. How do you find people who want to participate in the program? This is, right. has been one of the most interesting parts that we that we try to research like, okay, we don't have to succeed like 100% in the first program, right? But we need to figure out how to find the right people, which is quite quite hard. We don't want to do selection. We don't want to do assessment-based access. You know, you would get assessments, but after you join, it should be free to anyone, but it should appeal to certain people. So this, the first time what we did, and you were part of a few, uh, is we did some pre-events like we, we did in October. And uh, just to see who would, you could sort of test if you like something like this. We did already a sort of a startup exercise. We put some pressure on it. We changed some stuff uh, during the exercise to see if people, uh, how people would respond to it. And I think quite a few people stuck, but also a lot of people didn't come back. They went on to do something else, which is fine, right? So uh, we don't have a method yet how to find them. We do know of other programs that are more like a venture studio. They really do selection, right? They really want to figure out, they, they go through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people uh, to select a few. It's like an application process. We really didn't want to do that. We want to sort of attract the right people. And it's still very hard. We haven't solved it, I guess, but there are in the program quite a good few people there. I, I just love the fact that some people said that I didn't sleep because uh, I, need, I had to finish the, the prototype, right? Uh, I go, oh yeah, right. I didn't ask that, but you did it, right? So that, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I like that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's it's not normal anymore. So the uh, the, the quest is, 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 is clear. Uh, you're on the quest to make the startup ecosystem in the Netherlands better. Yeah. And then one of the questions that... Uh, that I guess investors always ask, why you? Why are you the best or, or only person who can do this in uh, in the Netherlands to do this? Oh, the answer is, of course, I'm not. Because uh, I, I think a lot more people should do this, like us. I don't mind a bit of competition. And there are competitors, uh, not just in the Netherlands. There are, there are a few that we know of already that are really similar to us internationally. Also, because we are a bit more focused on the impact side of startups, there are a few out there. Not that many, but I think what we will see in the future is that sort of the, the accelerator landscape is moving from like sort of somewhat later stage, still early stage, like the accelerators already a team has some traction and they sort of get into a program and they get launched with sort of the uh, epitome of Y Combinator as the, as the mother of all accelerators. And which is basically nowadays used for international startups to launch in the US. So you already have a lot of traction and, you know, you just get, you can get in on, on, on that kind of stuff. But then, of course, you have the incubators before that. And they're not often very programmatic, but they could be more. And then there's us. And by lack of a better word, we have called it reactors instead of an incubator or an accelerator because it, we're trying to fuse people together under a certain pressure and see what happens, right? To see if the, the heat gets very high, you know, in this uh, reactor, at one point, uh, material starts to change and energy starts to come up, right? And just come into existence. And this is what you need, right? It, it's sort of a very symbolic way of talking about it, but it's about 
bring a few people together and suddenly between those people, energy starts to uh, emerge and it starts to drive those people. And this is when you know when you have something good going on. They, they sort of, they can't quit, right? They have to do it and they, they can't do it without each other. They feel it, right? And that, that sort of, once that's happening, that's great. So, and there should be more of that. So I'm definitely not the only one who could do this. There are a few more. I think it's just a matter of time that uh, there will be more of this kind of programs. And we also intended to just to open it up we don't mind. So we're probably going to open source this uh, once we uh, once we sort of concluded what worked and didn't work in the first program. And could you, uh, just as a sense of conclusion, uh, introduce your team? Because it's not just you, it's also Johan and Jasper. Yeah, so uh, Johan Schaap and uh, Jasper Verbeek. I think Johan and I know each other for quite a long time. Uh, and Johan is a uh, Mr. Internet Addiction since uh, since 94, basically like me as well. Uh, but I would say I'm, an, I'm, not, I'm, an, well, I'm not an entrepreneur since 94, but probably since uh, 84. I think I started with my first uh, football team and then football club, really. Then I went on to uh, build a cartoon studio. Then I got into high school and had different interests. And then I had a, <laughs> then I had a, uh, then I started a... <laughs> that, that, that order as well. Eh? <laughs> yeah, order. But I, I did become like the, the typical, uh, you know, the DJ on the, on the uh, parties of the school, things like that. So I was always organizing the events and things like that. I still like that. Then the web came along and, uh, and I started my own company just to build web pages when nobody did in the Netherlands, uh, not that many at least. Uh, but th- there was a lot of firsts, not really good, but a lot of first things that we did in the Netherlands. Um, so I like that to be the first at something. So we did the first accelerator in the Netherlands. I did the first web building. I think we even had the first advertising platform uh, for websites in the Netherlands. That's all way, way back. These were just experiments. Uh, you will call them MVPs nowadays. Um, so that's what we did. And Johan also comes from that area. He always worked in the internet. And they also ran, which is great, they ran a show, maybe a bit like this, for 10 years. And I think every founder that, that turned into something has been on that show, and sometimes multiple times. So you could check progress over the years. Also, when they failed, they came back and they explained. So there's a... And, and, He's coming still in the program, Stephen Van Well. Uh, we call him Stephen Van Well because he went to the US. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they went to Techstars in New York and they, they they got part of it. They stayed there. They they built a company there. In the end, it failed for for a few reasons. And he did come back to explain it on the show in a very open fashion. And that, that's fantastic. So the, Johan knows a lot of people and a lot of investors, uh, not only in the Netherlands, but also outside and knows, has some really in-depth uh, information because these were not talks for five minutes. That was like a very extensive talks. And I've been often to those talks, by the way. It was great. And Jasper Verbeek also sort of focused around these programs. He was, he's basically from, from a bank and uh, his bank he's was a banker. a banker. And he was one of the first <laughs> to sponsor every, every startup program in the Netherlands because he was on the venturing side and innovation side of, uh, of that bank. So he did all the famous ones in the Netherlands like Startup Bootcamp and Rockstart and Antler. And he sort of, all the first ones, he sort of uh, put some money there. He set up the first incubators in Amsterdam with, uh, with money from the bank. And what is now TQ or the next web where we have our, our next uh, event that's been set up first by him. So we all have been part very much of the, uh, of the, of the startup ecosystem for many, many years now, had companies or were involved with companies or Jasper was a client of my company as well. And uh, we did a lot about the program. So when I had companies, 
and Yasser has his job and Johan was, was doing other jobs in, in the internet industry. We're always working together on programs. So I think that's where our love for programs came from. And, and I think this is what we are really good at, we think, and how we can uh, make things better for people. Because in the end, the quest is, of course, making the startup ecosystem better. But that is kind of abstract for us. I think the energy that you that we actually get is when when something starts to work with people. For example, you met the founder, uh, Julien, last Friday did his little story. Uh, he went through a lot of shit and actually came out doing well. And we've been with every stage with him. And that, that makes me emotional and it makes me energetic, right? It, and it makes me do this again and again and again. And I've done it for for free also for, for many, many other founders in the past. And I just want to continue doing this until I can. But that, I think that's the main driver, to be honest. And, and how long have the three of you, uh, you, Johan and Jasper, been working together in some fort or, or, or doing projects together? Yeah, so this particular project is now for over a year. And Johan already for uh, and really together in a project for uh, yeah four or five years about that. And of course, I worked with Jasper already before that, but in different roles in the ecosystem. And that is probably since, uh, well, maybe 10 years already now. Uh, so we know all each other. Um, we haven't worked. Uh, Long history. Yeah, not 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 that closely worked together for all those years. But I think we know each other for about ten to twelve years or something like that. Just as a wrap up, like, like, where are you now with the program Spirit of Enterprise? And as a call to action, the the, the people listening, what, how can people help? Yeah. Uh, that is a great question. They always say that if they have to think about an answer, right? It's a great question. Um, so, uh, no, it, but, but uh, I know this answer right away, right? So, of course, I want people to join the program. We're going to do this every half year at least and probably a lot more. So, we want people to join the program. If you can't do that, and I'm just saying, it's not just only for becoming a startup in some way. It's also if you want to start working in the startup world, you want to work at startups, for example, it's also a great program. So we want everybody to join in if you can. So you go to spiritofenterprise.nl and then you uh, uh, you sign up and you're in. It, it's that easy. That's what we want to do. But also everyone who likes to help out with building these kind of programs, so the program itself, if you can contribute, if you have any thoughts on how to do this better, that's very much appreciated. So we're really looking for people to help us uh, grow. Okay. Looking for investors? Yeah, but only for the fund, right? So not for the startup directly. Okay. I think that uh, gives a brilliant wrap-up of, of what Spirit of Enterprise is, uh, what you're doing, especially also the energy and the enthusiasm that uh, I would say the, the spirit that you put into the program itself. Maybe that, that the name should uh, should have come from. Yeah, I don't know. It's, not yeah. The, it's, just, it's the spirit of Lucian, but the spirit of enterprise, the spirit of entrepreneurial uh, uh, Lucian, Johan and Jasper. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I want to thank you very much of the, for, uh, for the opportunity to, to do this interview. I, I hope that the first cohort is going to be a, a great success for the program. Yeah, we're just looking it's at you. It's very self-serving for yeah, me to exactly. say that. Eh? We're just looking for you to <laughs> succeed, there, Florian. And uh, we'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's total that. Thank you very much, Lucian. Yeah, Florian, thank you for having me. It was great. Bye. And there you have it. Another inspiring episode of the Ideate with Florian podcast. As always, I encourage you to visit our website at ideatewithflorian.com. That is ideatewithflorian.com. Here you will find links related to this episode as well as other episodes. My name is Florian Hornar and I hope this story inspires you to take your own leap of faith. Thank you for joining us and until next time.